Miami was hosting Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks on Tuesday, and they had everything under control the first half, locking up the Slovenian superstar and playing incredible defense. But Dallas made adjustments in the second half, shutting down Miami's offense, and the Heat just couldn't respond. Is it time to get worried about Miami's half-court offense and their ability to make adjustments? We'll give you our takeaways. Who deserves the blame for the loss and what Miami could have done differently? This is Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat. Your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Wednesday edition of Locked On Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening or watching on YouTube, Odyssey, or on your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Wes Goldberg. We're coming to you straight after the unfortunate Miami Heat loss to the Dallas Mavericks. They were somewhat shorthanded on Tuesday night. They were without Tyler Hero, Caleb Martin, who we'll talk about a little bit later on the show, and no Dwayne Dedman as well. And no Udonis Haslam got poked in the eye at some point. I don't know how that happened, but either way, uh, he was out for the game as well. But Miami was riding high after a five-game win streak. They looked great in the first half. They were playing tough defense on Luka Doncic, holding him to just 10 points on two of nine shooting well below his season averages while getting the same aggressive Bam Adebayo that has been a staple of this win streak, 13 of his 21 points coming in the first half. But the second half, ah... Oh, the second half. Our old friend, the third quarter, reared its ugly head after Miami had been so dominant in recent third quarters against the Mavs. They just completely fell apart. The Mavs countered with a two-big lineup, putting Maxi Kleber in alongside Dwight Powell, and Miami's smaller lineup just couldn't find a way to score. Credit to Dallas's defense, which has been really good all season, and they found a way to be absolutely deadly against Miami. After the Mavs had built a double-digit lead of their own, the Heat finally mounted a short comeback late in the fourth. Miami had cut the lead to five with a Jimmy Butler jumper. They had possession of the ball, and then, then things got weird. P.J. Tucker drove to the hoop along the baseline, drawing Dwight Powell away from Bam Adebayo, who was positioned in the dunker spot. Tucker floats an amazing lob pass to Bam, who catches it perfectly in stride. But Kleber, who had been out on the perimeter guarding Jimmy Butler, closes out quickly and fouls Bam's dunk attempt. But not so fast. Mavs coach Jason Kidd challenges the call, and while replay shows that Kleber does in fact hit Bam across the forearm, he also swats the ball either simultaneously or just before he hits Bam's arm. And so the foul was reversed and what could have been a huge dunk or at least an and one, perhaps maybe two free throws to cut the lead to three, instead turns into a huge momentum shift that he just never seemed to recover from. Miami scored just four points in the last three minutes after the reverse call and they wind up losing 107 to 99. Still in first place in the Eastern Conference West, but... Yeah. What a bizarre occurrence. You were at FDX Arena. I can't imagine what you were thinking sitting there in press row watching this call get reversed. Uh, from your vantage point, it probably looked clearly like a foul, right? Yeah, it was a foul. I don't really understand why they reversed it. I saw Bam talking with the official afterwards, and the official was basically motioning as if, you know, um, we were hit the ball first before making contact right. with Bam's body. I don't know, man. That looked like a foul. It felt like a foul. But also, I don't really think it was a big deal. Like, yeah, it was reversed. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that wins the game or loses the game for Miami. I, look, if I would have told you that Luka would only score 21 points on 5 for 19 shooting and be shut out in the fourth quarter of this game, you're probably thinking, yeah, the Miami Heat are going to win that game. But that wasn't the case. And I know that Luka was limited 
from a box score perspective, but his presence was so intensely felt in that game. Miami dialed up a defense completely to shut out Luka Doncic for the entire game, for the entire game. They doubled him for stretches. They switched on him with sw- uh, for stretches. They switched and scrambled on for different uh, stretches. Uh, they, they completely dialed in on Luka, and that freed up everybody else to do their damage. It freed up Kleber to score 19 points. It freed up Bertans, who they just acquired at the deadline, to score 12 points. Jalen Brunson, 19 points. Dorian Finney-Smith, 14 points. Josh Green, 8 points. Like it, With all the attention that they paid to Luka, the idea was, well, we're not going to let Luka beat us. And he right. still kind of did in a weird okay. way because everybody else managed to beat them. Miami's defense, look, Eric Spolstra after the game kind of credited the Mavericks defense, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry. They more credited um, the Mavericks uh, or, or they kind of blamed their own defense. Yeah, um, I, don't dis- I don't agree with that, but we'll talk about that a little bit. I actually do. I, I, I actually think, you know, kind of looking at this and kind of thinking about well, it. Well, I saw Jimmy's response. I don't. I think it was Ira Winterman yeah. who asked him about the scoring there, or, or yeah. kind of hinting at the Dallas defense. And then he said, I think yours was more of an offense. This is Jimmy's response. He said, I think yours is more of an offense question, but I think we scored enough points. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe the vibe was different from at the arena. But they really crapped the bed in the second half. They just couldn't get anything going. They shot 7% from three-point range in the second half. I, could, I mean, that's just not tenable. Uh, no, I it's know not. Exactly, yeah, I know, 26% overall. 7 for 27 overall. No, I agree. Look, this is like, it wasn't just defense and it wasn't just offense. And I know we're going to hand out blame pie later in the show. Oh, but yeah. I, look, I really – I look at what – like, that wasn't the defensive effort. Like, we've seen the heat go cold for stretches. We know there are concerns about the half-court offense. And I think of the biggest takeaways in that game, the half-court offense is what we need to talk about. So you're right in the sense that there are offensive concerns that we need to discuss, but we've seen that already. What I didn't see this season, but what I saw in this game, was just sort of that, those those defensive breakdowns, those mm. that, that leaky defense. We just don't really see that. Like the Heat are so good at rotating and being on a string, and they have been for so much of this stretch that they've, sort of surged to the top of the Eastern Conference here, and they just weren't. I thought their their initial switches and their doubles and everything on Luka at the point of attack were actually pretty solid, and that's why he was only 5 for 19 and only 2 for 7 from three-point range. And by the way, yes. just holding him to 19 shots is a success in and of Absolutely. itself. But there's a reason why the Mavericks shot 44% from three-point range, 18 of 41 overall. Uh, and it's because that weak the weak side defense, the help defense – the, the next level, the layering of the defense just wasn't there the way that we were accustomed to seeing it. But can we talk about the half-court offense a little bit more? Yeah, uh, I, I think, well, to me, you know, what really stood out was the lack of shooting towards the last few yeah. possessions of the game. I, I for Inexplicably, and I, I mean, I, I feel like Eric Spolster probably deserves a slight piece of blame for it. I, I think there were no shooting out there. I know the shooting had struggled all night against Dallas's defense. Duncan Robinson couldn't seem to get it going. Max yeah. Drews gave Vincent, et cetera. Yeah, Nobody they were two, really... those, those three, two for 15 overall from three-point range. Right. Not not great. But at least there's a threat there, right? That's the whole problem. The whole, the whole thought process behind Duncan Robinson and the extended minutes that he gets, why the contract doesn't seem as particularly egregious is because there is an impact he has as a three-point shooter he commands respect he's going to draw a double team somebody's going to get an open opportunity that wasn't the case instead you had two possessions back to back with jimmy just kind of dawdling behind a three-point line Mm -hmm. not exactly sure what to do with the ball on one possession he takes a a ill-advised contested three-pointer on the next one i think he turns the ball over he didn't know exactly what to do with it 
just really bad management of the ball at that point in time. And yeah. I think there's just a flow to the game when you have a shooter out there like Duncan that just wasn't available or, or Duncan or Max. And or that, again, anybody. and that's, that's the Luca effect, right? Because when yes. Duncan Robinson was in the yes. game, Luca, Don- the entire offense, the Mavericks entire, it was crazy. The guy who had Duncan Robinson was guarding the Maverick that Duncan Robinson was guarding would just wave at Luka Doncic when he crossed half court and then set the screen and then they would get the switch. And then Miami would be forced to double Luka uh, at the point right after the switch. Once he kind of takes his first step, they would go and double him. And now you're scrambling on defense. And then that, like I was saying, that second and third layer of defense wasn't necessarily there. So they spoke kind of felt like, all right, we kind of have to go Gabe Vincent here because unlike Struess and and Duncan, he can actually hold his own one-on-one more so than those guys uh, when he gets on these switches. And they ended up switching more late than they were doubling a lot more in the first and third quarter, first through the third quarter. And they ended up just switching and going kind of one-on-one in the fourth quarter. But um, the half-court offense really, but to your point, needed a shooter. They were doubling Duncan Robinson. They were closing out hard on him. I wonder if, you know, it was around the seven-minute mark that they kind of went with Gabe and the rest of the starters. And I kind of was like, yeah, this is going to be the group going forward. But I do wonder if they're going to need Duncan at some point. The half-court offense tonight, 88.1 points per play according to cleaning the glass, which is really, really awful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And compared to Dallas, which with a 101.1 point per play um, rating in the half court, it's extra awful. Um, th- th- this was a really tough night for Miami's offense. And I think all the things that you were talking about, Jimmy Butler settling for shots out on the perimeter, taking a three late in the game, not really knowing what he wants to do when he goes up in the air with the ball, stuff like yeah. that. This is this has been Miami's problem. It was their problem against Toronto. Yep. It was their problem last year against Milwaukee. It's oh, length. Yeah. And Dallas and that that unit that closed the game for Dallas has four, six, eight, or taller players, basically. Luka Doncic is six, 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 seven, whatever. And Jalen Brunson, who's who plays way bigger than he, his size, just sort of like Gabe Vincent. But um Miami had a problem with Dallas's length and size, the way that they have had a problem with Toronto's length and size, the way that they have had historically problems with Milwaukee's length and size. Oh, yeah. This is an issue for Miami, especially in the half court. Could they have done better on defense to force transition opportunities? Maybe. They could have gotten out and transition a little bit more. I don't know. But uh, this was a game where the Mavericks, I thought, just won on both ends of the court and yeah. kind of showed us the Heat's problem and something that they need to address. How do they address it? They need to loosen up that half-court offense with some shooting. And when you're three shooters, again, Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent, Max Drews, go two for 15 from beyond the arc, it ain't yeah. going to happen. And I think the name that we haven't mentioned yet but was sorely missed tonight was Tyler Hero. This was yeah. the game, just like against Toronto the last couple games. Um, we were talking about how like that's the guy you need who could just sort of find his own shot. He doesn't need the half-court offense. He is a half-court offense in and of himself. And so they really missed Tyler Hero tonight. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a great point. Uh, like the, the thing that I'm looking at when I see a player like Luka Doncic, what puts him in a category alongside Jimmy to a certain extent and yes. LeBron James is the ability to make plays at their size, to get to the rim at will, to do all the things that they can to change the course of a game almost single-handedly. But Doncic and LeBron can shoot the ball. They're at least mm-hmm. a shooting threat 
Jimmy is not. And then you have him out there on the perimeter struggling and not sure what to do. It just it simplifies the offense to a way the defense can figure it out. And maybe to your point where you were saying, maybe if Dallas didn't play a great defensive game, and I think they do deserve some credit because they've been very good all season, yeah. they were just at least able to figure out what Miami was going to do when there was no threat from any of their shooters because they, they were either weren't knocking the ball down or they weren't on the floor. And that just made Miami's offense easier to read and figure out. And they did a really, really good job of that in the second half. So it was just, it got slowed down into a pedestrian offense. It was really ugly there. And it should have been better. Just that whole starting lineup just struggled from the, the three-point shot. But uh, you know what? I, I think you're right. Tyler Hero most assuredly would have been a difference maker. A guy that you can just give the ball to and say, you know what? Go to work. Do it. And that is, like you said, the half-court offense. He would absolutely have been a difference maker out there. Might not have been enough to win the game, but at least uh, probably would have energized them at certain points in the second half when they absolutely necessarily yeah. needed it. But anyway, or, or we'll like, move on. This is another, I know we're going to talk about Oladipo later on as well, but like you could have easily pictured him at the end of the game in for Gabe Vincent spot too, right? Where he gives yeah. you a little bit more shot creation. Even Caleb Martin, to a certain degree, might have been yes. a bit more helpful. Another yeah. one of those three-point shooters. But you don't want to blame a loss on referees, just like you don't want to blame a loss necessarily on injuries tonight. But yeah, those guys were missed. Yeah, is there is there anything else they could have done as far as uh, invigorating an anemic half-court offense? Or no. is it just a matter of the personnel they have out there? Because from, from my take, I, I just couldn't see anything in particular. No, that's like that's to- that's something I think Spo will ask in film study, right? Is what could we could, what could we have done differently? Could we have gone? I thought they could have done more like guard Jimmy Butler pick and roll with Kyle Lowry or Gabe Vincent. I, I didn't see a whole lot of that kind of pick and pop type of stuff. Maybe they could yeah. have done that as like a high pick and roll option to sort of loosen things up a little bit more. But um, again, I, I think the Mavericks just came into Miami's house and, and just, beat there was them. a nice pick and roll tandem there with Omer Yurtsev and getting some uh, spotted minutes in the, in the first half, but uh, they kind of went away from that in the second half. And then at yeah. that point, you know, Dallas had just again, figured out what Miami's uh, offense was capable of, but we'll move on. We'll talk about Victor Oladipo, as you mentioned in the last segment of the show and the next segment, we'll talk about who deserves blame for the loss. But before that, you're an NBA fan, and you probably are if you're listening to this show. Are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it. I know you will too. It's easy to use. You pick two to five players and an over/under on their projections, and you can win up to ten times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in sixty seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe. And offers fast withdrawals. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. They offer a variety of options. It offers any prop you can think of, from point scores to rebounds, even steals. It allows mixed sports entries. And so, for a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get fifty dollars for free. If a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available for locked on fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA. You get $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. That's prize picks. Make sure to get the app today. All right. It is time to slice up. Some blame pie here. We're going to give out uh, percentages of who deserves blame for this heat loss. Thank you for making the Locked On Heat your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free. It's available on all platforms. Uh, Our first slice of blame pie tonight, David, uh, goes to Luka Doncic. 
like we discussed, I think that he deserves a lot of the credit uh, from the perspective of the Mavericks for this win. We, we discussed all of this, but I really do think that this is why Luka Doncic is one of the best five to six, seven players in the NBA. You man, you you know, you mentioned the the shooting that he has from the perimeter combined with his ability to get to the basket and all these things. He's also a next-level passer. I mean, I know Nikola Jokic is the best passer in the NBA, and I'm not disputing that. Luka's right. really close. Luka's really close. And that's another thing that sets him apart, I think, from Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is a, a good, willing passer. Luka is a, like, next-level, like, seeing everything ahead of time, like LeBron James-type passer, right? Um, yeah. and, and so he broke down. My, like, Miami dialed up a specific defense to defend Luka, and he broke it. He solved yeah. it, he broke it, and Miami, by the fourth quarter, was in shambles, and that's why they, they couldn't defend late, and that's why they couldn't get out and transition late. Everything is tied back to Luka Doncic. So that's 50% of the blame pie, but I'm going to give another 50%? heaping... 50%. 50%? That's a pretty big uh, heaping of, of pie there. I, I believe, I, I, I'm telling you, he. I think Jimmy He's Butler not- put it the best at the end of the game. He said, I asked him a question about their defense, and was it... Just adjustments going forward, or did they anticipate making all those looks? Was it in-game adjustments, or was it something that the game planned for? And he kind right. of said that they kind of game planned for it, that you have to throw surprises at him, but he, he summed it up. He's like, he came in here and he beat us. He got or he, he, he got them a win. I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but he basically yeah. said that. Um, Carried us to a win, I think he said. Yeah, he, he led them to a win. 50%. I think that's fine. That leaves, another 50, that leaves the other half of the pie. I'm going to give... 20% of what we have left. So we have 30% now left. We have 20%. I'm going to just hand off to, to the lid on the basket. There was a, a lid on the basket. Miami could not make a shot. This is, again, one of those. There's a lot of X's and O's stuff that's interesting from this game. There's also a really uninteresting thing that we could say is, hey, it's a make or miss league. And tonight you only went 7 of 27 from three-point range. I think you could argue hey, you shouldn't have only taken 27 threes. You probably should have put up more threes. But when the threes aren't falling, it's a lot to ask a team to put up 20 more threes when the when they're shooting 26% overall from beyond the arc. So um, it was just one of those weird nights where they couldn't get anything to fall. A little bit of credit to da- Dallas's defense and the length and everything like that, but they missed a bunch of open looks too. A bunch Claver, of looks Claver is a very play. good defensive player. And so is Dorian Finney-Smith. I think yeah. both of them unheralded defensively. Uh, just th- those two bigs out there really seem to like, just change the course of the game. Uh, the drive and kick offense has worked so effectively for Miami, and it just yeah. seemed to shut down when you had these two big towering bodies kind of collapsing things, making things a little bit more difficult. Not easy to get those swing passes out to those open shooters out along the perimeter. And then, yes, I think 0 for 7 from Gabe Vincent. That's particularly mm-hmm. egregious there. Not to, not to heap anything on him particularly, but, yeah, not a great yeah. showing from him. Well, if you're not getting any boost from your backup, uh, you're just not going to be able to, to have any chance of victory here. Yeah, and Miami, that's been a big key to Miami's season so far is their reserves, and they didn't win those yeah. minutes tonight, um, to your point. Uh, I am going to give 10% of this pie to P.J. Tucker. That was not a PJ. good game. Yeah, that wasn't a good P.J. Tucker Ooh, game. Wow, he couldn't okay. stay in front of Luka defensively. Um, he didn't have Nobody it. Nobody could. Nobody could, to be fair. I yeah, mean, Tucker, it, it's, look, I don't. I don't mean to pick on him. It, it felt like he did a worse job than anybody else uh, that, that was dealing with it. Um, and I include Duncan Robinson in that. I actually thought Duncan did an okay job. Uh, Tucker, six points on two for six shooting, one for three from three-point range. Couldn't really find his spots on the floor offensively. Wasn't really getting to his floater. Wasn't really getting to his corners. Um, 
also had three turnovers on the night. And that was a really big issue for Miami, 12 turnovers that led to 21 points. And that's the other 20% is just overall the turnovers that yeah. you just can't turn over the ball that much. And that's why uh, when you, when you consider that they uh, shot basically the same percentage overall, 42% to, to Dallas's 45%. So Dallas slightly better, but not tremendously better. The rebounding margin, Miami had it. Uh, they, uh, they, they, the, the turnover margin wasn't horrible. It was twelve to eight. But Miami yeah. scored just six points off of Dallas's eight turnovers, nine turnovers. Sorry, and uh, Dallas scored twenty-one points off of Miami's twelve turnovers. So you could you could credit transition or you could blame transition defense too. But you also look at like the points in the paint. Like the Heat had fifty-two points in the paint. Dallas is twenty-four. Yeah. Like there's a lot of markers here, and we mentioned like the Luca numbers in the fourth quarter. That kind of lead you to think that Miami would have won this game, but the turnovers. The three-point shooting. The three-point shooting, too, Daddy. Three shooting and the turnovers, yeah. yeah. That's why I said Dallas, 20% the lid and the lid yeah. on the basket, 20% the turnovers. Dallas is shooting. I mean, they 76 field goal attempts in total, 41 of those from behind the line. So I, that was a big part of their offense, clearly. Um, I, I, are you done with Blaine Bla- Pie here? That's 100%. 100%. That's a, I'd like to take away five per, for 5%. And put it on Jimmy because of that late game offense was, uh, I think he bears some of the mm. responsibility for that as Miami's best player. I also think that 5% should go to Eric Spolster because inexplicably keeping a shooter out there for as long as he did. And I know he inserted Duncan with, I think, 40-something seconds left in the game or about a minute left to play, but it was too little too late. Miami was already down seven and no real chance of closing the gap. They could have used him out there. They could have used the threat. And who knows? Maybe he gets hot. Maybe he knocks down one shot and that's all it takes. Uh, you know, you're looking for any answer. You're looking for any kind of offense. And I think maybe he might have been able to provide that. But other than that, I, I think I'm OK with giving some to, to Spo. I won't give Jimmy any blame for this. I understand that those couple possessions were frustrating, but it, the Heat didn't score a, a bucket like they didn't make a field goal for what was it? Six, seven minutes in the fourth quarter. It was just Jimmy Butler getting to the line and he went 13 yeah. or 14 from the free throw line. Like I know those two possessions were tough, but the Heat lose this game by 20 points, if not for Jimmy Butler. Like That's he was the offense, so I, I I don't know. Again, those possessions were frustrating, but they're not in this a game sliver, at all. A sliver of pie, Wes. Here I'm not giving him a sliver. Pie. I'm not. But you could give him a sliver of your own blame pie, but he's it's, he's not getting any of my blame pie. Uh, I'm okay with the spo thing. I, I think it's, it's okay. It's, 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 it's our blame pie. We have always, to give him a sliver. It's always our blame pie. All right. Well, anyway, we'll move on and we'll talk about some news that's shaking up Heat Nation with a possible return of Victor Oladipo sometime soon. But first, a reminder that football might be over this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, the UFC odds, Write to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile devices. Learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Just a reminder that you can always reach us via email at lockedonheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. This is a fun segment here because despite the loss, 
there was some refreshing news around Heat Nation. Mm-hmm. A couple of different bits and pieces here of information. Caleb Martin, first of all, who did miss the game with a sore Achilles and has missed the last few games because of the Achilles, his contract has been fully converted. He is now a full-time member of the Miami Heat for the rest of the regular season, which means that he is playoff eligible. Yeah. He will be on this roster for the playoffs and hopefully making an impact at some point soon because clearly on a night when his defense and his three-point shooting would have been able to provide some kind of a punch out there, he was absolutely necessary. Uh, the Heat also added, uh, I'm drawing a play, Haywood Highsmith on his second 10-day contract with the team. Uh, he was with the team earlier when they were having their issues with COVID and, and needed replacement-level players. Highsmith was brought on at that point in time. He's brought, brought back again. He actually played 16 minutes against the Dallas mm-hmm. Mavericks, finished 2 of 6, almost exclusively taking all of his shots from 3-point range, finished with 6 points. So a solid night for him, but uh, I don't think you can expect too much. Is he another developmental star in the making? Who knows? It's possible. It's good that Miami has him on the radar. They've also set, uh, added Javante Smart to a 10-day contract. Was it a 2-way contract or a 10-day two-way. contract? 2-way. Two-way contract, repl- uh, kind of backfilling Caleb, Caleb Martin's spot. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So that was announced right after the game ended. But also announced after the game ended was that the Miami Heat was sending one Victor Oladipo down to the Sioux Falls Sky Force to begin five-on-five practicing with the Sky Force. Not gameplay. Five-on-five practicing yeah. so they want to make sure that we were all very clear about that that it's a stipulation that we are putting out there not gameplay he's not going to be playing in any games but it is part of his return to conditioning to eventually make his return to the miami heat west exciting news for all of Heat yeah. nation yeah and a couple of notes before we get to the old depot stuff which is the headline here but javante smart kind of a standout for the sioux falls sky force team he's been on a scoring spree in the G League lately, he was obviously with the team's summer league uh, program in Vegas yeah. this past summer. So been on the radar for, for them for a while. And you could tell, like, probably on the short list of guys that they wanted to add to the two-way contract, plays the guard position, which now kind of interesting that both yep. of their two-way spots have been given to guards. You don't really see that a whole lot. Uh, Miami historically has gone with, like, more length and versatility at those spots, but apparently they feel like this is the way to go. So cool. That's great for Javante Smart. Caleb Martin. Interesting timing because they could have waited a couple of weeks to do this. They didn't necessarily need to do this, um, and yet they decided to do it now. What does that mean? It means, obviously, he's playoff eligible, right? But mm-hmm. also, they, again, if they did this a month from now, he would have still been playoff eligible. So that's not really relevant to the timing here. Um, what it means is that it's a it's a show of good faith for yeah. Caleb Martin, considering that, by the way, he's dealing with an Achilles situation right now. It's not a tear or anything major. It's just sort of, yeah, he wasn't even ruled out. He was questionable for tonight, tonight's game before he was ultimately ruled out. But um, this is a show of good faith. And it's also, Hey, look, we know that we could still go out and get a guy on the buyout market and still stand at a luxury tax. So that's a key component here, right? By right. clear, by trading Casey Akpala, they're still able to clear enough space beneath the luxury tax in order to do that. Whether it be Goran Dragic or somebody else, we'll see. But uh, it's also just like a, hey, let's just do you a solid and give you like some extra more money because the nature of a prorated minimum, if we would have waited a month from now, you wouldn't have made as much as you would have made right now. And so they're just doing him a solid ahead of obviously him becoming a free agent this summer. So it's a show of good faith. It means that they hold him in very high regard. So that's cool for Caleb Martin. The Victor Oladipo stuff is huge. I really don't want this to get swept under the rug. This is a big deal. 
Uh, oh, I don't. I, I think it was the one sign of encouragement. I think for Heat fans too. Like, despite the loss, everybody's already tearing at each other. Heat Twitter civil yeah. war, and then the news comes out about. You Oladipo think that if they like, won this game, they don't send Oladipo to the G League? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it was just a way of calming everybody down and saying, "Look, we've got good news on top of the bad ones." Look over I, here. I don't know. Look over here. I, yeah, uh, <laughs> a little distraction for wave a little Oladipo in our face, and we're like, "Oh, what loss?" Um, <laughs> no, this is huge. This is really big. He's only been doing one-on-ones and two-on-twos and just some loose scrimmages against Dan, the video coordinator, and whoever else. Like, this is a big deal. Five-on-five uh, five scrimmages, full contact type of stuff. He is, to use the phrase that everybody likes to use when people are players are in these kinds of uh, situations, this is the ramp-up. This is the ramp-up. And saw with Clay Thompson, right? We saw I mean, with Clay Thompson. Kind of I, yeah, uh, to your point, like the Warriors... I remember when Steph Curry was coming back from his broken hand injury out months, months and months and months. Uh, and right before he came back, they sent him down to Santa Cruz, where their G League affiliate is, and he played a five-on-five scrimmage. This is sort of the last step before. Now, I'm not okay. saying that the return is, hey, like he's coming back as soon as this all-star break is over. But he could be. Like I'm not saying that's not the case. Like This is coming soon. This is coming soon. That's what this news tells me. Yeah, I, I think it's just enough. Look, they're not going to practice. They travel to Charlotte on Thursday for their last game before the All-Star break. Then there's the extended break. Their next game after that, I am in the process of looking that up. What is it, a San Antonio game, I want to say? Maybe I'm mistaken there. I'm not exactly sure what their next game is. I probably should have looked it, looked it up sooner. But the, the reality is that I would imagine that he'll be getting some extended you know, at, at New York, time. February 25th. And then the at next home game is uh, the Spurs at home, February 26th. Yeah. So that's the game to circle, right? That's the game to circle. I, I that's think 11 that's, days from now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's it. I mean, I'm trying to think in my head is like, do you want to kind of take some of the pressure off? Cause he's probably going to be nervous and rusty. And you know, that's just, that's the nature. I mean, we should all kind of pump the brakes a little bit. Well, I'll get excited if he can score a point. I'll get excited if he can you know, play for 10 consistent minutes out there. Cause that's asking a lot after the kind of, you know, he's look, he returned, he had, he played for most of last season, but he was always up and down. It was a little inconsistent. Yeah. He's healthy now from all reports. He's back to, well, he's back to being the player that he was in terms of his likes. Well, that's strength. what the players. That's what the players are saying. Yeah. Right, um, right. I don't. I don't know. I, I, I look. You're. You're right. They're taking a patient approach with this as opposed to last year, where you're kind of like, what do we have right after the tread deadline? Let's figure it out. Um, so that's good. I think that's good. Uh, and as far as the conditioning, that's why you do the five on five stuff. Now he's not going to come out and play 30 minutes a night, but I don't know that he was going to do that anyway with the way that this roster is built. Like, I don't know. I think if you can get a solid 15 minutes from him, that's a pretty yeah. big win. That's Absolutely. a really big win. Um, Haywood Highsmith played almost 16 minutes tonight. Struess played 20 minutes. Gabe Vincent played 30, almost 30 minutes tonight. Like there's plenty yeah. of minutes right now to go around. I, I understand Tyler Hero and some other players were out, but um, yeah, this is, this is a good time for him to come back post All-Star break because we're going to have 20-some-odd games to kind of figure it out, what he can give you uh, in advance of a postseason uh, series. That's a, that's a good point. Uh, I think, yeah, you, you keep, you know, kind of stay in shape, keep practicing with the team. The All-Star break rolls through, and he can still continue to do work with the team uh, you know, in Sioux Falls. The, the Heat will be obviously on there a well-deserved and well-earned break. Uh, they go into the All-Star break still atop the Eastern Conference. Like I mentioned before, they're still tied with the Chicago Bulls. So, uh, you know, it's a good time for him to be able to get some work in. 
And I don't think the expectations need to be there. I think it's all about making sure that he returns healthy at a time when he's comfortable because I think we're all expecting him to be an impact player. And I think the team expects him to be an impact player. But I think some of those expectations might be a little too high for a player who's missed a significant amount of time over the last three plus seasons, right? They don't need him. He's a luxury. The way that we keep talking about him, the way that everybody kind of keeps talking about him is, wow, wouldn't that be nice to have Oladipo back? They don't need Victor Oladipo. They haven't this year, at least. This is a luxury. And so for that reason, you know, they've been very patient with his ramp up and and getting him back. And they haven't been saying like, oh, we like this isn't like getting him at the trade deadline last year where they're like, look, we're obviously not the team that went to the the finals. We need something here. Hopefully it's Oladipo. They don't they don't it doesn't feel that urgent this time. No, around. I agree. And for that reason, there's not going to be as many expectations. And that's probably a really good situation for him to walk into. But I'm still excited, though. I'll be honest with you. I'm I, stoked. I yeah. Yeah. For a player like like Victor, uh, a great guy. Yeah. Uh, always one of my favorite players before he got yeah. to Miami. I agree. Yeah, I love talking to him in Orlando yeah. when I was covering that team. He's always been fun, interesting. Uh, you know, he's just had a rough up and down career in the last few years have been very, very difficult. I know he wanted to be out there more than anybody. And, uh, you know, the fans have always turned on people who are heard and not available because they feel betrayed. And I know he kind of forced his way out of Indiana to some degree, but all that's water under the bridge right now. He's just yeah. a, a guy trying to make good and trying to reestablish his life as an NBA player. So we should all be rooting for him. Hopefully we'll be able to see him soon out on the floor because I think that's going to be great. But whenever Victor Oladipo makes his return, we'll be sure to bring it to you here on Locked on Heat. Thanks so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Remember that every episode is always free and available wherever you get the show. So make sure you subscribe to get the best coverage available. Make sure to also check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. This is David Ramil signing off for now. Thanks so much for joining me, Wes. Wrap it up, B. 